Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web 3.0. Today, I'm going to be joined by Joseph Jaffe, and we're going to explore the world of marketing. And we're going to explore how the world of marketing is completely evolving, completely changing into a brand new concept spurred by the world of Web3. I think if you're a marketer or you're an entrepreneur or you're even a creator, I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating. So sit back for a really fun ride. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and I'm at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. You don't want to miss any of our future content. We've got some great content coming your way. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Joseph Jaffe. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Joseph Jaffe. If you don't know who he is, he is a Web3 visionary, author of five books, including Built to Suck and Flip the Funnel. He teaches brand strategy at NYU. He's the founder of the Alpha Collective, and his show is Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Joseph, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm in the company of the very famous Michael Stelzner. So uh, I think that's all subjective. So today, Joseph and I are going to explore the evolution of marketing. Joseph, I am really excited to talk about what we're about to talk about because you and I had a really good chat about a week ago when we were preparing for this interview. And we're going to talk about some fascinating stuff. But before we do, I want to roll back the clock a little bit. And I want to hear the story of how you got into Web3 because you were known and you are known in the world of Web2. And there's obviously a story about how in the world you got into Web3. So start wherever you want to start. I mean, I, I'm going to start always at what I call BP and AP, before pandemic and after pandemic. Before pandemic, as you introduced me, five books, keynote speaker, spoken in 50 plus countries, life was dandy. And then, of course, this little pandemic struck and, and I pivoted. I changed my entire life. I became a talk show host. And 2021, two things happened. One unbelievable and one not so great. The not so great was I found out I needed open heart surgery, which I had. But I also got a creator coin because I've been listening to the show uh, since the inception. I'm one of those pesky creator coin holders. Well, tell us the backstory. How'd you even get the coin? I mean, like, tell us a little bit more about that story. Yeah, I think Jeremiah Oyang reached out to me like he did with so many people. And truth be told, and I think it's important always to be truthful, I'd heard of the word Bitcoin, but that's about it. I hadn't heard of ETH, Ethereum, NFTs, OpenSea, Web3, nothing. In fact, I got really irritated with the word metaverse, 
for two reasons. One is because it sounded too much like multiverse, Revenge of the Nerds. And also because when I had a company called Crayon, we lived and thrived in a virtual world called Second Life. So we've been there, we've done that, we, we bought the t-shirt, but my whole life changed. And, and you know, Michael, the thing about me is that when I wrote my books, when I wrote Life After the 32nd Spot in 2004, I introduced 10 bold approaches. One of those approaches was called communal marketing, which I defined as marketing to and through communities. Now, social media as a term didn't exist. Facebook didn't exist. One of those approaches was called consumer-generated content. Again, YouTube did not even exist. And then when I wrote Join the Conversation in 2007, I said how to engage marketing-weary consumers through the power of community, dialogue, and partnership. Gee, that sounds a lot like Web3. So in many respects, I've always prided myself on 12 to 18 months out. Don't look at the finger. Look at where the finger is pointing. And so for me, when I looked now at this Web3, it was just, this was inevitable that I was going to dive in headfirst, but not foolishly, as, as I sometimes say. Nobody wants to dive into an empty swimming pool headfirst. But I just recognized this as, uh, as Victor Hugo said, as an idea whose time had come. Fascinating. So tell us a little bit more. So eventually, you know, you started this thing called the Alpha Collective, but you got your, your own currency. Just give us a little bit more of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm seeing now, I mean, as many people talk about Web 1, read. Web 2, read, write. Web 3, what I call read, write, reward. I'm so excited by shared ownership and shared reward. I'm so excited by actually what I think is a a new business model. It is. It, and, and of the things that I teach, the one P that I feel that has always been underrepresented, underutilized, misunderstood is the P of price. And when you now factor in the secondary market, the concept of a royalty built and immutably logged on the blockchain, suddenly everything just came to light. So if I look now at my show, at Joseph Jaffe's Not Famous, I've really leaned in to using my creator coin, a holding economy approach, meaning you hold the coin, you benefit, you get utility, you get backstage passes, you get walk-on roles, you get my show notes, and you don't have to give me the coin. You hold it, you benefit, you can sell anytime. So another thing that I've done, and you alluded to, you mentioned the Alpha Collective, is I'm looking at basically creating a premium community that brings paid members together to understand the business of Web3, but guess what? Using Web3 as well. I'll tell you, when I wrote, uh, join the conversation, I came up with this acronym called UNM to PNM. Use new marketing to prove new marketing. I've just been a believer that you've got to walk your talk. You know, even my business, my the advertising agency business, they don't walk their talk. They're lousy at advertising themselves. You have to be able to eat your own dog food and if you want to be a subject matter expert, you've got to practice what you preach. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Fascinating. I heard you say the word read, write, reward. I want you to just define that a little bit before I ask my next question, because I, I thought it was kind of fascinating. You know what? I've been playing with all of these things. I've been playing with Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, and looking at all the builds and looking at the evolution or, or revolution. And the thing about reward, at first, I called it read, write, respect. Read, write, respect in terms of being able to represent 
the fact that the playing fields were being leveled. You know, going back again to the idea of the, the failed promises of Web1, which was about leveling the playing field, content, commerce, community, but we didn't do a very good job at any of them for the most part. And then Web2 came along and again, a pro promised the same thing, but didn't deliver. So Web3, this idea, so I moved beyond read, write, respect, because this is monetization. This is, I'll just take a step back and, you know, a lot of people are saying it's Web2 and Web3. I am pushing off against Web2 as the enemy because with Web2, everything was free. No one paid for anything. You could be a content creator, a blogger, a podcaster, and you could not monetize but now it's completely different because people will gladly, willingly pay to share, to build the community together. And so read, write, reward says everyone can participate and everyone can gain. It's not my concept. I wish it was this idea of what I call or what, what is called community capitalism. The model is not about pies anymore. Get a bigger piece of the pie, expand the pie, get a second pie. The model is a flame. If I give you light from my flame, not only does my flame not go out, but our two flames burn brighter. And so when you look at capitalism, I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism. But you know what? Too many people, or, too, or I should say too few people, have benefited too much through the process. And there is a better way that will actually serve humankind and communities better. And so that's why read, write, reward. You contribute, you reward. And, and one more thing, which, which I wrote about in Flip the Funnel, I called it the 3C model. Content, conversations, and commendations. It means that you don't have to be valuable to me as a customer just because you buy stuff. And I am not serving you just by selling you stuff. The very concept of the exchange that powers a market and powers marketing by definition about being able to provide value through buying and selling stuff, goods and services, there is more to that. There is much more to that whole equation. And so I can be valuable to you as a customer, not just by buying stuff, but by actually joining the conversation, by writing testimonials, by providing ideas, by being part of an idea generation or voice of the customer mechanism. And conversely, as a marketer, as a supplier, as a distributor, I am not just giving you value. When I give you the good and service as promised and as advertised, I can do more. And that's why what happened with SOS and OpenSea to me, I felt was one of the most incredible moments that I've lived through in marketing. Because OpenSea said, listen, we did what we said we would do. We did what was advertised. We gave you the good, the product, the service without delivering it in a fraudulent, rug-like manner. We took a 2% cut because we said we would, and everybody said, you know what? That's not okay. That's not acceptable. Joseph, one of the things that you told me is you believe that marketing is moving into a post-marketing era, or we are entering into a post-marketing era can you kind of elaborate? What does that mean exactly? Yeah, so this idea of post-marketism, right? Like post-modernism, if you go back and you study art and you look at the various stages and styles of art, even if you look at modernism and post-modernism, there is this belief in terms of evolution that there is a what comes next. 
And the what comes next is an improvement on what came before. It doesn't mean that what came before was bad, old is bad, good is new, but evolution for sure. And evolution, not in terms of sometimes incrementalism, but differentiation so much so that if we go back to the very concept of survival of the fittest and, you know, we realize that evolution is needed and necessary in order to survive and thrive. And marketing, Michael, marketing has become a joke. I grew up and I studied and I practiced Regis McKenna's white paper. Regis McKenna said, marketing is everything, everything that touches the consumer, your customer, directly or indirectly, even in your, your employees, is marketing. But today, marketing doesn't do anything. You know, the only thing marketing focuses on these days is, is advertising, is media and mass media for the most part. It's the P of promotion. It's not the P of product and place and pricing and everything else, custom experience and these days, community building Web3. When you look at the number of CMOs, when you look at the tenure of the CMO, when you look at the number of CMOs that have board seats at the moment, marketing has become a joke, uh, completely marginalized. And so sometimes the only way to fix something that is so broken is, is either to blow the whole damn thing up or to actually recognize that marketing needs to almost be destroyed and then from the ashes, the phoenix rises again. So I remain convinced that marketing, I mean, it goes back to that Peter Drucker quote. It says the only two functions of an organization, the only two functions are marketing and innovation. Everything else is a cost. But if you believe in those points, what Regis McKenna said and what Drucker said, well, then the only way for marketing to regain its shine and its credibility and its game-changing efficacy and utility is to demonstrate how it can absolutely allow a business, a brand to evolve, to survive and thrive. And so this post-marketing era is one where it is less about under-promising and over-delivering. It is more about promising and delivering, or maybe better yet, promising and over-delivering. It is about community dialogue and partnership. For the most part, it's about flipping the funnel. <laughs> it's like every book I wrote has led me to this moment. You know, my fifth book is called Built to Suck because the inevitable demise of the corporation and how to save it with a question mark. And I came up in this book with four pillars, customer obsession, talent resurrection, digital disruption. And then the fourth one is what I called corporate citizenship, being a global citizen, a corporate citizen. When you combine the four, this idea of community capitalism and this idea of being able to recognize community as the killer app and shared ownership and shared reward, it all seems to be saying the same thing. And I cannot imagine that there is another function inside the corporation that can lead and that can win at this than marketing. If we're in a post-marketing era and marketing isn't respected as much as it used to be anymore, and one of the questions that you wanted me to ask you is, is this an evolution or a revolution? Talk to me a little bit about what's going on in your opinion. Right. And the answer is both. And probably the best way to describe this, first of all, just like communication, we talked at, to, and down to, but with conversation, we listen, we learn, we, we talk with, right? The same thing with marketing. We're not marketing at 
and two, we're marketing with. In a way, marketing survives and evolves by actually ceasing to exist because you don't need to, to market at and to. You just need to participate and play to care and share instead of command and control. The best way to describe it is something that I, funnily enough, my car went back to that I wrote in 2007. And I said, let me tell you about the evolution of marketing. So it begins with, with the one-to-many, which is also known as the shotgun or the, the spray and pray, the command and control approach, right? One ad on MASH, the finale of MASH would reach 85% of all American homes and households. One-to-many, one 30-second ad in front of many people. And then there was the next step was what, was what people refer to as one-to-one one-to-one marketing, the dawn of relationship marketing CRM. But the reality is it's very, very hard and impractical and sometimes cost prohibitive to literally be able to have a one-to-one dialogue with every single consumer on this planet. Now, obviously, automation helps. There's no question in technology, but it's still expensive. Then came what I called one-from-one, which actually before Web3 was to me the most revolutionary moment in my life and in the history of marketing as I know it and as I've lived through it. One from one is search. It meant that marketers' brands didn't have to initiate the conversation and push and go to and try and find that elusive consumer. It meant the consumer could come to them by pulling, by searching, by saying, hey, I'm interested right now. I want to buy you know, a convertible, a two-seater convertible because I'm going through a midlife crisis. It meant that actually consumers could self-select the relationship. And then what I wrote about is I said, but now we're living in the many-to-many, the many-to-many. That is the conversation. That is social media. And guess what? The brand doesn't live in the middle. The brand is not the sun, the nucleus, and nor is the consumer. You know, uh, Jim Stengel, I think it was at Procter & Gamble, he once said the consumer is in control. And I disagreed with him. Because no one's in control. This is chaos, right? We're trying to pay our mortgage. We're trying to figure out how to cope in this inflationary world with war around us, with masks and not masks and politicizing. This is chaos. No one is in control. So then I wrote, by the way, a little footnote to that, that actually maybe we're going back to the one to many. But this time the consumer is the one and the many are all the companies out there. And this was viral marketing. This was the fact that if you really upset a consumer, they would go to Twitter and they would create a kerfuffle and you'd be on the news. And we saw so many of those at your wonderful conference. Everyone has spoken about United. Remember, United breaks guitars and the Comcast technician that fell asleep on someone's couch. It's what I call a reach amplifier. But now we've reached the next stage in this model. I just updated it almost, let's say, exclusively for this appearance. It's now what I call the sum to sum, not the many to many, because that's the whole conversation, right? I don't see dead people. I hear alive consumers and the noise will deafen me. This is the sum to sum. This is a thousand PFP collection for Board Ape Yacht Club or the Alpha Collective. This basically says we don't need all of consumers and everyone to be part of this conversation. We're just going to look at a subset. We're going to create a limit, a limitation, a finite amount, a community within a Discord, a Telegram, whatever the case may be. And that is how we will now 
establish our identity, our purpose, our shared values, our shared passions, and collaborate together. So is there one marketing department that could understand what I just said? No, their heads would explode. Why? Because some to some doesn't benefit a company trying to hit quarterly earnings. They don't want some to some. They need all. They need tonnage and quantity, but the world doesn't operate that way anymore. So I want to dig in on this a little bit. So what I'm hearing you say is today, as we're recording this in 2022, we're entering into a new era of marketing that we're going to call for sake of discussion, some to some. And the easiest way to describe this is you take your 1000 person proof collective who launches a successful Moonbirds campaign, right? Or you take a small group of individuals that are on Clubhouse that launch the Board Ape Yacht Club, which turns out to be one of the biggest sensations, right? So it's smaller communities gathering around some sort of a thing and doing much bigger things. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I think you're saying it perfectly. And the, and the thing is that the the thing to thing, the, the sum to sum is in fact that reach activator that I spoke about before. Back in the day in 2006, 2007, we at Crayon, which was my company that lived in Second Life, we would say to our clients, we've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is your consumers aren't on Twitter. The bad news is the lazy journalists are. And so that's going to be the next story. And, and they got it. So now when we think about Board Ape Yacht Club, when we think about Alpha Collective, the thing is the thousand people that are in can do a lot of damage when they collaborate, when they connect, and when they then kind of you know, open the doors and connect back into the real world. So that's what's happening. When you take a thousand, thousand strong micro communities, however you want to call it, and join forces and collaborate, that's when you actually, you know, Rashad Tabakawala, who's one of the smartest guys in the marketing space, he once used the term re-aggregation. So we can hit our numbers and get to those numbers and hit our earnings by, by joining forces with many of these sum to sums. But it takes a little bit more work and it takes a, a, a little bit more time as well in this slow burn world that we live in. So I think you nailed it. And, 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 and by the way, you know, Michael, in, in a thousand strong community, you can actually get to know everyone by name and by story. But when you're looking at numbers like, I don't know, 3.4 million followers on Clubhouse, which are either bought or botted or fake. Uh, I mean, that's not intimacy at all. So I think the sweet spot, whether it was dumb luck or beginner's luck, is a thousand. Anything over a thousand, a thousand from a B2B standpoint, probably 10,000 from a B2C standpoint. And, 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 you know, I'm prepared to, to put a friendly wager that those numbers actually uh, prove themselves. And remember, you know, Kevin Kelly, his thousand true fan model, it seems to be able to really, really underscore what I just said. So let's just say it's a thousand or 10,000 or whatever the number is, but let's just say it's a small number, right? And because obviously, you know, most of these collections out here that are NFT projects are 10,000 or 5,000, you know, and some of them are 1,000, like the Alpha Collective might be 1,000. I know Proof Collective was originally 1,000. So what is it about these small numbers? You know, what is it about these limitations? What is it about this? I want to I want to noodle on this for a little bit. Why is it the small group of the right people can have massive impact versus the old way of thinking, which is 
everything we've been talking about, like what's different? Why, why this? Right. Because, because I mean, it is in part a quality versus quantity discussion. Um, practically and really tactically, when you go into one of these discord servers that have, I don't know, gajillion people, you can't even see the conversation. You just see scrolling, 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 scrolling. It's ridiculous. My show, right? Joseph Jaffe is not famous right now. I can pretty much put every comment that comes on screen, you know, that flashes in front of me using StreamYard on screen. I could be, oh, look, it's Michael Stelzen in the audience. Hey, Michael, thanks for watching the show today. But be careful what you wish for, because the next thing you know, you know, with success comes 10,000 comments. And then what happens? You're just a, a broadcaster. And so like there is a sweet spot. And, and look, I haven't studied it. But I'm just saying anecdotally, I'll bet uh, my friendly wage, I'll bet some Jaffe coin that the number is about 1,000 in a B2B environment and 10,000 in a B2C environment. And so it's just, it's, it's manageable. I mean, and the number is, it's always multiples of 10, right? 10 fingers on your, on your two hands. If you can't count it, it's not real. That's how we operate. We operate in these multiple. So I actually think that, that that's what we're seeing right now, practically, tactically, strategically. And the key is going to be figuring out then, what do we do? How do we take, I mean, I think of, I was thinking just today of your conferences, you know, there, there are numbers and there are sweet spots. You still have a main session. That's maybe your 10,000 or your thousand. And then you have breakout sessions and then you have small dinners and then you have, you know, kind of like speed dating. We just have to figure out what those different layers and levels of service are. But the real smart marketers or the winners are going to be the ones that can figure out how to move from one to 10 to a hundred to a thousand to 10,000 to 10 million. But there's something about the limit. There's something about there will ever only be 10,000 moonbirds. There will only ever be X thousand, whatever, right? There's something about the cap. Yes, you nailed it. And it's this idea that actually says, when you look at traditional markets and marketing, it's all about scarcity, right? The cost per thousand impressions, everything is based on a limited opportunity, a Super Bowl spot as well. So when you look at Web3, if people believe that actually Web3 is about abundance, it isn't. It isn't at all. Because to your point, there's a limit, right? There's a limit. I mean, Gary V, God bless him, we'll see whether he proves us right that 55,000 V Friends 2 community can get to the same levels as V Friends 1. They always say a sequel is never as good as the original. But the thing about the limit, about Moonbirds, about Alpha Collective is yes, there's only a thousand. But once you hit that limit, you can still get in. Nobody said it's sold out. It isn't actually sold out. You can buy on OpenSea. Anyone can come in. So there's a limit of how many people can come in at one time, at one point in time. But there's always a buyer. So anybody that says, I missed out on, no, you didn't. You just missed out on the El Cheapo price. You can get in at a higher price. And once you're in that community, there is abundance abundance of love, empathy, generosity, collaboration, mutual appreciation, respect, exchange. So that's the big shift from scarcity to limits. And within the limits, there is abundance. And I'll just tell you one other way that I look at this is everybody says, think outside the box. And I say, no, you know, forget about it. Give me the box. 
And I don't care how small the box is or how restrictive the box is. Just allow me to operate liberally and freely inside the box because I will figure out a way. I will be creative. So limits, there's nothing wrong with limits as long as you have the freedom, the autonomy, and the empowerment to actually be disruptive, innovative, and risk-inclined inside that confinement. In this new sum-to-sum model, there is limits, but once you're in, there's an abundance of opportunity amongst the members of the community. And then you've got this word community capitalism that you've been talking about over and over again. Help me understand that connection to everything we've been talking about. Maybe dig a little deeper on that. So I love it because, you know, the world has been stuck in this idea of, and of course it got very politicized in the U.S. in particular, this idea of capitalism versus socialism. But amidst everything, we've been seeing not the, you know, the workers, the rock face getting increasingly jaded and unrest. We're seeing something else. We're just seeing a cultural shift. We're seeing millennials and Gen Y and Gen Z saying, I don't want to work for a company that doesn't share my values. We're seeing, in fact, that abundance, abundance of, of money actually backfires at some point. This idea of, you know, I mean, again, the the 1% of the 1%, it's less about the 1% of the 1%. To me, this was a very seminal moment. And I'll just give you two quick examples. One was, I believe her name was Abigail Disney, one of the uh, Disney heiresses. She called out, I think it was, was it the chairman at the time? Bob Iger? Yeah, Iger. He got a $155 million bonus. And she worked out that he could personally pay for a 15% pay increase to every single employee of Disney himself with that money and still he would make $26 million at the end of the year. When you look at that, it's just kind of gross. It's ugly. You don't need that amount of money and you can still make a ton of it in return. So I think this idea of community capitalism actually says it's the we, right? I mean, I had uh, Simon Mainwaring on my show, this idea of, of we versus me or we capitalism versus me capitalism goes back to the flame analogy. And I think that if it's true that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, if it's true about the wisdom of crowds, again, everything I feel, all these forces have come together right now, right here and right now to say, there's actually a better model that doesn't allow you or doesn't mean you have to check your capitalism at the door. And so that's how I embrace this idea of community. So one of the things Alpha Collective will do is give away 50 grants to people that can't afford to be a part of this collective. And it's just the beginning. It's a small thing, but it's better than doing nothing. That's a little bit of community capitalism. Love it. What are some examples of Web3 use cases here? Because up to this point, we've talked about how marketing has changed, how it's evolved, and how we're in this post-marketing era where nothing seems to be working. And we've got this new model that we've been introducing, right, which involves limits and abundance and community capitalism. And it's part of this post-marketing era. Let's talk applications, use cases. What are some really cool use cases for what we've been talking about? There's so many interesting use cases They're more kind of category specific as opposed to brand specific because we haven't really, we're still at the Gartner hype curve phase for those people that know the Gartner hype curve. 
we're still at the point where the, you know, the brands are rushing in. We got to be on the internet. Why? We don't know. It, because the Wall Street Journal says so. What we have is an absence of strategy. We have tactics in search of strategy, right? Solutions to non-existent problems. So what we've seen right now are brands really messing it up for the most part. Just the other day, I mean, literally when we started talking about this episode, we saw an announcement that Starbucks are going to incorporate NFTs into their loyalty program. I love it. It makes so much sense when we think about POAPs, when we think about proof of participation, right? When we think about the fact that right now Starbucks already has and has demonstrated that their loyal customers will download an app, give them their credit card details, actually put money into Starbucks account and it can sit there for like Amazon Prime, God knows for how long. And Starbucks earns interest on us. And so right now it just seems like the next logical step is to be able to deploy Web3 and NFTs for what I think is the killer app for Web3 and the killer app for marketing, which is loyalty and advocacy. And so I would say kind of watch that space. Right now, I don't want to see brands coming out with 1,000 or 10,000 PFP collections because it's going to end up being what Bud Light did with their next collection, a rug. That is the first brand rug in our lifetimes where Bud Light that sells you watered-down mediocre beer just a joke, is now saying, wait a second. Oh, it's not a joke. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind. You know, yeah. it's the opposite of what happened with OpenSea. What's happening now is they're saying, actually, we're going to take money from you and give you this JPEG and watch how the value decreases over time. And we're going to give you zero utility, zero communication, and zero community. So what, I'll tell you what a brand should be doing right now. They should be going out to all of these collections that have community, that have engagement, that have loyalty, but are struggling right now because of the current climate and environment and are looking for new funds and buy the collection, buy these communities or buy into the communities. And I don't mean buy them like, like in an ugly way. I'm saying extend a lifeline, invest in them, figure out maybe it's a, a, a license, maybe it's a strategic partnership. If the brand values mirror the, the NFT collection and the project and the community's values, that's what we should be seeing. And that, to me, is a no-brainer for brands right now. There are so many collections that are six, eight, nine. I mean, think about all these woman-run and woman-led collections. Every one of them is coming out right now, and their floor price is tanking. Even if we look at World of Woman, you know, Galaxy. Yeah. Where's the growth? Where's the value? You know, we have people that are limited in terms of their, you know, the one thing about brands, I call them the brand bullies, but they have, one, you know, and, and I say this, you know, if you know me, it's, it's always a little with us, you can see that there's a smile on my face. I say it because I love you, you know, but brands have companies, the companies have more money than brains, which is not to say they don't have brains. They do, but they have more money than brains. So use that money, use that budget right now and not only tap, it's like an aqua hire. Don't just tap into the collection and take it to the next level, but think of the crowdsourcing. Think of the idea generation. Think of the feedback. Think of the sampling and the, I mean, it, it's endless, the possibilities. And to me, Michael, that's marketing. That's marketing 101. Yeah, this is fascinating as I'm thinking creatively about what you said here, which is a couple things. First of all, you said that Everything here is about loyalty and advocacy and, you know, the fact that Starbucks 
is rolling out NFTs makes total sense because so many people who are active Starbucks customers are already using their app and getting certain perks as a result of regularly going into a Starbucks. And man, if they roll out some sort of like NFT project where, you know, if you show up to Starbucks every day for a period of time or whatever, you get some sort of awesome little NFT that's burnable, right? That you can use to cash in for a free something or another, and then it's gone or you can sell it to someone else. I find that absolutely fascinating. And I'll just give you one other, just speaking about categories, retail, right? One of the most under pressure challenged spaces. Retail could use NFTs in particular to unbelievable effect. You show up at an H&M or a Uniqlo and all you do is you just tap your phone. It verifies that you are who you say you are, that you've done what you said you would do. And maybe there's a special entrance that now lets you in 10 minutes before, think about Black Friday. Think about what could happen. Oh yeah, I love that. And I'll tell you one of the things that I'm gonna do if I ever go into studio is the NFT holders or people that have an NFT of my or a certain amount of coin in my show, the front row of the studio will be reserved for the DJs, right? For the NFT holders. So I'm completely thinking, how do you build a talk show from the ground up? But actually, instead of, and this is something that, that look, I've lived through digital and social and mobile. I've been there. I had my office and my cubicle in the broom closet. People would look the other way as soon as I was coming down the corridor. I was an irritant to all of them. I know how this all plays out. But right now, what we're actually seeing happening for the first time is we're seeing the ability to actually deliver you know, on all of these failed promises. And so when we go back to this idea of like, building it from the ground up. We don't have to just throw Web3 as kind of like, oh God, you know, like being there, done that, check, check, you know, just how much money is left over. Just throw some pennies and some nickels and dimes to those DGENs over there. What if you actually began with Metaverse, with Web3, with creator coins, with NFTs, and then actually moved into the other stuff? I'll tell you, sorry, I'm going to tell you one more story. I once went to GM, they called me in and I went to talk to all of their presidents and their CMOs for all their different brands and, and corporates in Detroit, as we used to call it back in the day. And I remember this is like this dates you and me and everything. And they said, Joe, what should we do about blogs? Right. So this is like, I don't know, 2006, maybe. I said, well, you could buy the blogosphere and then with the other $3.7 billion left over, you could buy something else. It's like, what are you asking me? What should you do with blogs? They literally could have bought every blog in the world with chump change. So that flip is an important one. Don't look at what's happening now as the next big thing, as a fad. You know, look at where the finger's pointing. And the finger is pointing to a reinvention of marketing, a post-marketing era. I find all this really, really fascinating and it's super insightful, Joseph, to hear the lineage of you having had an agency, having existed before there was the internet, having existed through the internet and then through social and now into this new world that we're in. And it's so fascinating to think that everything is pointing back to power to the people. It's all about small groups. It's all about fascinating opportunities. And while it's true, the brands are welcome, right? In some areas, it's also exciting to the small businesses and the, the people that are willing to take risk and want to go out there and create something and don't have the resources. 
because you don't need a lot of resources, right? You just need a lot of innovation and you need to bring the right people together and you can move mountains. I just interviewed in one of the episodes before this, a guy named Snacks and he started the Pizza Dow. And he has pizzerias all over the world that are coming together under a decentralized autonomous organization. And they're changing the world of pizza. And they're just a bunch of random people that organize together. And there's not a lot of them, but they're changing the world. And that's what I love about what's happening right now is these technologies that we're talking about are enabling technologies that bring communication and ownership and capitalism to a new future. And it's so freaking exciting to me. And I, I, I know you see it too, man. It's so exciting. And I, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm like smiling and I'm jotting down a couple of models that I want people to think about, just very simple things. And I've honestly, I've been using these for as long as I've been writing for 20 plus years. And that's why I'm smiling because none of this stuff is new. It's all been there. It just has, it's just been waiting for the use case, right? So here's a very simple way, especially if you work and you're trying to sell this through to a boss, whether it's in a mom and pop or a small business or a big corporation. It's a two by two grid. Old, new, best, worst, right? What we want to do is we want to eliminate the worst of the old and we want to keep the best of the old. We want to embrace the best of the new and we want to just ignore the worst of the new, because there's a lot of bells and whistles and stuff that's just distraction. And if we can combine the best of the old with the best of the new, it, it sounds so simple, but it is so powerful. The, the other thing as you were talking about is I remember saying this, this is about two things, access and assets, access and assets. I used to look at going back to Anheuser-Busch. They would, you know how many tens of thousands of tickets to sporting events and sponsorship, FIFA World Cup, Super Bowl, they would not even use, they would basically burn them because they didn't have a mechanism to recognize and reward their fans. And now it is so easy to do, to do an airdrop, right, into someone's wallet saying, guess what? You get a Super Bowl ticket and you get a Super Bowl ticket. No tickets. And, and think about even access, right? We discussed this in the clubhouse days, you know, whether it's, uh, I don't know, Drake or, or The Weeknd performing at halftime or Snoop. Well, why not have a closed door Discord or, or a clubhouse room where you actually get to connect with them and maybe get to listen to them? These are all the things that are possible now. And of course, the thing about the blockchain is, is it's, it's not ambiguous. It's very, very clear and very, very clean. So this is a marketing renaissance. And that's why I'm using the term post-marketing, because otherwise we're going to try and tweak this. And, and this isn't about tweaking. This is about being able to actually do a complete one small step for man, one giant leap for marketing kind. Joseph, I love it. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you, your coin, and anything else you've got going on? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I absolutely love the show. Thank you. And was it was it Michael Rosenthal? Josh Rosenthal. Josh Rosenthal. Sorry, Josh. But I will say to Josh. Episode nine. Yes. This was the best episode of any podcast that I've ever listened to in my entire life. So I want to thank you for this opportunity as far as I'm concerned, I have all these babies and loves now. I have my Jaffe coin, which is rally.io forward slash creator forward slash Jaffe. But I know you provide it all in these incredible show notes as well. And if you buy coin and you actually go into my Discord, 
you can actually then get roles that give you various opportunities to interact with the show, like backstage passes, walk-on roles, monthly calls. It's, it's, it's a very cool, I mentioned at the, at the start as well, my show, my baby, 372 guests and counting is called Joseph Jaffe is Not Famous. And you can find that at youtube.com forward slash Joseph Jaffe is Not Famous. And alphacollective.xyz is where you can find the Alpha Collective. And if people provide their email address, they can actually win a membership pass, which is worth one ETH. I'll be giving away one pass every week until we are well on the way to minting out or minting out. My joke now, Michael, which I'm sure you can enjoy, is that membership pass is worth a lot less today than it was a week ago <laughs> and a month ago, but it's okay because it's, it's in ETH. You know, the, the thing that's interesting is when I was thinking about all these links, what I realized is not one of them is a Web2, I mean, I guess my show, but not one of them for the most part is a Web2 platform. I don't care about Twitter and Instagram and Facebook anymore. It's really just about these owned assets and these currencies and these economies and these communities that I care about. It's just a, a, a random thought that I wasn't giving you an email address, Web1. I wasn't giving you my Twitter account, Web2. I was just saying, hey, come join the Alpha Collective. You know, Come subscribe to my show, join my Discord, buy some of my coin and hold it. It's kind of an interesting flip if you think about it. Were you, did you have a bit.ly link you wanted to mention? Yes, bit.ly forward slash Stelzner pod. I'm going to be giving away free coin to uh, first 250 people that claim it. Quite frankly, I mean, because when last I checked, according to Nielsen and Metrics and what's it, uh, Edison Research, there were 2.5 billion people that listened to the show. So if that sells out, I'll extend it. And I'll give as many people that want a small piece of my coin it's just a small expression of my gratitude for giving me this opportunity. Joseph, how I wish my audience was that big. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all your insights and wisdom. We're better because of it. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C23. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us and let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and I'm at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web 3.0 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.